the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From Talk 910 KNEW San Francisco, this is Rob Black. Rob talks about your money every weekday, live and local, from 10 to noon. Enjoy the show. Live from the Bay Area, your money, your life. This is Rob Black. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, and if you know me, you know my guest that's coming on right now, Aaron Patzer from Mint.com. He's been on, I'd say, four or five times on radio, five, ten times on television. I think he's uh, very unique at what he did and what he accomplished. He has a website called Mint.com. I'll open up the mic to you, Aaron. Tell us, what is Mint.com for those who don't know? Right. Mint, it's a free personal finance web application. So it uh, links to all of your checking and savings accounts, your investments, your 401ks, your student loans, your mortgages, pulls it all together in one place, gives you bill reminders, low balance alerts, shows you how much you spent on Starbucks last month, tells you your investment performance, and um, helps you save money by finding you better interest rates. Now, Mint, I never got the name until you told me what it meant. And it's money intelligence. Yeah. I, the the original name for, for Mint was money intelligence. And uh, I was driving actually to Tahoe with, uh, with Pornima, who's our second engineer. And I was like, yeah, money intelligence. Uh, I wonder if I can get that domain. And she's like, that's like 27 letters long. That's way too long. How about you do call it, um, you know, Mintel? Wait, what about just Mint? And I was like, that's brilliant because a Mint is a place where money is made. It's a Mint condition and, um, you know, it fits with money. It's a good tie. Now, your website was, I use your website and it's great for budgeting and you'll never become a millionaire unless you budget. You'll never get to retirement unless you budget, in my opinion, unless you strike it rich, win the lottery, something silly along those lines. Um, budgeting is a big, important part of getting to retirement. And in the 1980s and the 1990s, I used Microsoft Money to help my budget. I used uh, Intuit to help with my budget, Quicken. Um, but 21st century came around or late 1990s came around and I started doing it online and I found it to be incredibly useful because I no longer had to punch in all the, the transactions myself. It, it was auto-updated and and. Again, if I, I got more time for television. I can watch Heroes because you're doing my budget for me. That's right. We pull in uh, all your information every single night. Um, so it updates, pulls in all of your debit card transactions from your bank or all of your credit card transactions, auto-categorizes them with about 94% accuracy so it knows what's a restaurant and what's groceries and what's hair care and, and whatnot, and then just checks it against your budget and says uh, sends you an email or a text message alert, whatever you've configured, um, that says you're you're either close or you've blown it uh, on your budget. And that's interesting that you know, like hair care. That's not in my budget. As you could probably look look at my head, not a lot of hair care going on. Um, it's not in my budget either. But uh, I thought I'd throw that out there for the ladies. Yeah, you know, I give I give financial tips on the show, and one of the financial tips I, I I sometimes will give is the financial tip not to do. Don't decide to get drunk one night, Aaron, and cut your own hair to save money. It's not a good combination. I go with the $8 haircut. $8 haircut, huh? Place, yeah. You don't know what to make of me at times, and I like that. Mm. I talk about drinking and cutting hair, and you just smile and go with the flow. Now, I've, I've been referring to you as the Bay Area's recent most billionaire, and you told me that I'm incorrect on that because you sold your company to Intuit, and I thought I saw a price tag of over a billion dollars. Uh, $170 million. And ah. um, 
you know, when you start a company, even if you're the only founder, you end up selling a lot to venture capitalists, giving uh, giving to the other employees, that sort of thing. So I, I certainly didn't didn't make that figure even. Okay, but you're going to stay on with Intuit, I hear. Uh, yeah, I um, will be the new general manager of um, Intuit's personal finance division. So we will have ownership over um, Mint, uh, Quicken Online, um, and Quicken Desktop, uh, both the PC version and the new Mac version that's coming out in sort of February timeframe. Interesting to note, again, we were talking about, uh, I used to use Quicken in the 1990s, early 1990s, before your product came around. There's another product out there called Yodly, kind of similar, but I like your product better. Mm-hmm. Um, but Intuit, and Microsoft kind of panicked. Microsoft, I think they stopped doing money, and Intuit, they need you because you're online and they're really not. Yeah, uh, Microsoft stopped doing their desktop product okay. um, because fewer and fewer people are choosing desktop as an option. A lot of people are still upgrading to their desktop product, but um, uh, new users predominantly are going um, uh, online to either online banks or something like Mint or Quicken Online. Um, so Microsoft is not out of the game. In fact, they just announced something with uh, Citigroup that they're going to build all the personal finance tools for Citi's website. So that'll that'll be a little uh, a little bit of an interesting competition there. Now, you and me, we have no problems going online and trusting that my Bank of America account that you're not going to lose it for me, Aaron. But seniors, yep. they're a little bit more spooked about it. Um, That's true. I mean, if you look at who chooses the desktop option, it's it's literally 20 years older. The average, you know, quick and mm-hmm. desktop user is about 46, 47. Average Mint uses about 30. Um, part of that is a, is a security concern. Part of that is just a sophistication of, of finances, although Mint now handles investments and mortgages and second mortgages and, and things that it maybe didn't uh, two years ago when we first launched. So what will be changing now at Mint um, as you've been gobbled up by a bigger company? Uh, will you go a little bit more commodity, commoditization? Will you homogenize things a little bit more? Will you... Uh, continue to take chances because you've you've always rolled out new features. Yeah, we roll out new features every two months. Uh, no, that that will continue. Um, so I just started working on the the product roadmap um, and the plan for how we integrate the two companies. And so we have um, a major feature release every two months. Um, but uh, in short, um, Mint will remain free and uh, we'll continue to put awesomeness in it. Um, and um, instead of you know some of our wor- users were were worried like hey you know we went to Mint because we didn't like. Quicken, and we thought it was too clunky. And I would say that um, Quicken will become good like Mint instead of, you know, maybe the other way around. We'll add better categorization technology to Quicken. We'll add the savings engine to, to Quicken so that you can um, find better interest rates and find savings on the things that you spend most. And so those will be some big improvements. What would you say that what, – what has the data shown you that people can find in their budget that they can save a little bit more money? What's the, the biggest waste that we have? Yeah, so um, – 90% of Mint users actually say that they change their financial ha- habits when they come on to Mint. And uh, 40% um, of, of those say that it's um, restaurants. They actually spend less at restaurants because of, of Mint, and they, they cook more or they go to cheaper restaurants um, because it just it adds up. It um, does. Some, some people find that they spend more on restaurants than they do uh, for rent. Yeah. So and that, it shouldn't be that way. Rent should be a good three times your uh, your food bill, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, you spend maybe ten bucks on breakfast and fifteen on uh, lunch, and you know, dinner maybe twenty bucks. You know, that that's not extravagant by by any means. Sure. And so all of a sudden, you're up to what forty five dollars um, a day. If you did that every day times thirty days in a a month, you're you're up to thirteen fourteen hundred bucks. Another thing that I like about your service, Mint.com, and I'm speaking with Aaron Patzer, founder 
of Mint.com recently sold the company to Intuit. One of the things that I, I like about it is it's it's all in one place. It's I can keep my budget, but I can use my Bank of America. I can link it to my Citigroup account. I can link it to uh, if I you know have a mortgage, I can link that in, and I can figure out where my cash flow is going. And I like pie charts. Yeah, I like pie. We charts. like pie charts too. Uh, you know my favorite pie charts as well. Uh, my favorite pie chart is a Line pie chart of pie. Really? Yeah. I actually want to see how much pie I've eaten in a day. <laughs> Uh, what proportion is cherry versus apple versus peach? Something along those lines. I'm just being stupid again. That trying to delicious. Trying to throw you off your game. And you Do we have not, pie in the studio? There is no pie in the studio, That's but I will get a pie chart for you at my earliest convenience. Okay, so... Um, yes, the average American has 11 different financial accounts. So, is that I right? Mean, yeah, look, most people don't even know how much they have, quite frankly. Uh, think about just, you know, your investment situation. You've got a 401k. You know, you, you probably have an IRA from 10 years ago when you thought it was a good idea and you had an extra 1500 bucks lying right. around. Your wife has an IRA and a 401k. You've got savings accounts for your kids. You've got uh, a couple of credit cards. Average American has about four credit cards. Um, you got your checking account, maybe a joint checking account, uh, your insurance accounts. I mean, it's just a lot of accounts and a lot of things that uh, you need to pull together just to figure out what you have, how much you owe, and how your investments are doing across all your accounts. Okay. Now, to get started at mint.com, it's free. How how is the process to you know to get going? What would the average person out there who's listening, what would they be they're going to they're be intimidated, yeah. I think. So, you go to mint.com and yep. um to sign up, you just uh we need an email address and then a zip code. The zip code helps us our categorization algorithm because you know like Albertsons out here might be groceries and in New York maybe it's a deli. Uh, so it helps the categorization and, uh, algorithm. So um, email and um, your zip code, that's it. Uh, no personally identifying information. And then you search for your bank or your student loan or your, your mortgage or whatever. You type in the same uh, username and password that you would use to log into American Express or Capital One or Bank of America. And that's it. Um, it just pulls in your transactions and your balances and your bill due dates every single night, categorizes everything, calculates your investment performance, pulls in all of your holdings, that sort of thing. And then the next question that most people have is, wait, you asked me for my bank usernames and passwords. What, what are you talking that about? That freaks a lot of people out. I get emails from people saying, I, I'd like to use it, but I didn't realize they're going to actually get my, my password. Yeah. So the important thing for people to realize is um, it's a read-only system. So um, you can't move money around. Uh, you know, I actually give journalists access to my Mint account, and you can recategorize my transactions. You can add little notes and change my budget, but you, you cannot see my... Um, account numbers or my credit card numbers. You can't move money around, even if somebody broke into your Mint account. And um, they won't because we have bank-level data security. I mean, right. We have all the same encryption that your your bank does, outside verification by Verisign and HackerSafe. We hire people to actually try to break into the system, and no right. one's ever been able to break into the core of the system. We've got um, actually a, a, a patent that we're filing on uh, our security system. We actually use a hardware type of uh, of encryption um, where even internal employees can't unencrypt your passwords um, unless there were four of them that got together. I actually carry smart cards on me. It's like a nuclear submarine, how you know two people have to turn the key at the same right, right. time to launch the, the nuclear weapon. Um, well, you have to have three people, three or four people, because the encryption key is actually broken up among a bunch of different smart cards, to actually unlock or restart the system or change the key. So you feel pretty comforting in saying that it's safe. It's safe for you. It's safe for your mom. You you feel pretty comforting. Yeah, the, I've got the, all the my doubting Thomas out there. Exactly. I know you. I know that. But there's people out there who are listening who are still freaked out about it. Someone just sent an email and asked, "When are you going to offer a BlackBerry application for Mint.com?" Ooh, people ask us about this quite a bit. 
Um, so about 40% of Mint users um, are on the iPhone. And so we have a very popular iPhone application. It's one of the top four or five in the finance category. Um, and I think we, we've had about 300,000 installs of the, the new version of the iPhone application just in the past three weeks since we updated it. Um, we're working on an Android application. The problem with BlackBerry is there are about 15% of Mint users who have BlackBerry apps. So it's a decent proportion um, BlackBerry is very difficult to actually um, develop for. Yeah, it's not standardized uh, in the sense that you have to develop a slightly different variation for each different sort of device and, and uh, screen size. Um, and they don't have a centralized um, app store. So we haven't prioritized that. But we could probably expect it down the road. Yes, absolutely. I mean, eventually we will cover all mobile, pla- all mobile platforms. You know, within the next year, I would I would guess that we're on basically all mobile platforms because people want to spend their money and see their their finances and their balances when they're on the go and check their their budgets. Um, you know, for all of those people out there who mm-hmm. don't have uh, an iPhone, you can use text messaging with Mint. So we have a short code, my Mint six nine six four six eight, and um, you just go into your profile and uh, type in your, your phone number and it'll send you a, an authentication code. You type it back into the website so it makes sure you own the phone. And then from that point on, you can get text messages for your alerts or you can get your balances. So you just type B-A-L, BAL. It's pretty cool. To your uh, 696468, my mint. Uh, it's kind of like code. 21st century banking. Yeah, I mean, think about how many people actually try to find an ATM just to see their balances. I mean, it feels very antiquated to me. You can get the balances for... 8,000 different banks. Even if your bank doesn't offer any mobile banking, you can get it through Mint, which is pretty cool. Right. Got another email. This one comes to us from Sandra. She says, can a husband and wife have a joint Mint profile? Good question. Yes. So um, there's no reason in Mint why you can't add um, both a husband and a wife's account. It's not like we check for the uh, the owner of the account. It doesn't have to match you know, your email address or anything like that. Um, and then you can actually go into your profile and you can set a second email address for the alerts. So you can send um, you know, a low balance alert both to the husband and the, the wife. The one thing that we don't do yet is we don't have two logins to the same account. So you have to have one primary um, email as the login, but the alerts can go to multiple places so both people can stay on top of their finances, get their weekly summary, get the budget alerts, get the you know, interest ch- changes. Could I change one of the tabs that, that says bar? Could I change that into like yoga class so that the wife doesn't find out that I'm spending money mm-hmm. in a bar? Yeah, you can recategorize all your transactions. <laughs> Perfect. You, you can create custom categories. You can actually hide accounts. Misleading um, the spouse. I like it. You can hide accounts as well. So uh, I don't know. Is, is there a category for uh, Craigslist prostitute? Well, now that you mention it... Um, we uh, have category suggestions. So once um, more than 10 people on Mint have added a particular custom category, because we have about a, a, you know, 100 categories by default. And so sometimes we'll just go in there and we'll see, you know, what does the algorithm say at least 10 people have added? And you, you see some illicit activities. Yeah. But it's nice to know that they budget for it. You know what's fantastic about you? I can't trip you up. Mm. I'm trying, but I can't. I'm a pretty straight laced sort of guy. You are pretty straight laced. Let's take a little bit of a break when we come back. We're going to ask Aaron what it's like to be a a millionaire, not a billionaire. And we're going to ask him what he's doing with his cash. We're going to ask him what trends he's seeing in the economy with individuals. 800 345 5639 to get your calls in the air. If you have a question, 800 345 5639. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Talk910.com. If you want to get a podcast of this show, you're listening to 910 AM, more stimulating talk. What's with these homies dissing my girl? What did they got up front? What did
Black Show. I'm Rob Black. It's Tuesday morning. Let's take a quick look. Well, not take a quick look at the stock market. I'll take a look at the stock market after Aaron Patzer's gone. Aaron is uh, with Mint.com. It's a website that basically does hardcore budget. It shows you where you're spending your money, and it helps you allocate for retirement. I want to get people to age 60, Aaron. That's my goal is to get them to 60 with a million dollars so that they can live till the day they die on $40,000 a year. Um, Social Security is going to be about twenty. Mm-hmm. I think most of us could live off sixty thousand, close to it. That's my goal in life. What's your goal in life? Uh, what's my my money goal in life? I don't know. What's my, your goal? You know, just general goal in life. I, you know what? I just really like to build things. I mean, that's that's why I created Mint, and um, that's actually why I. Uh, a lot of people have asked, you know, why did you why did you sell now? I get to build more stuff over it uh, over it into it. They have uh, twenty five million people who use TurboTax, and all these people who use. Uh, QuickBooks and all like 10 million people use Quicken Desktop who need a good online alternative. And so um, they're also a big company and we go international in a couple of years, which I'm really excited about. Okay. I just like to build stuff. So you think you're going to stick around into it? You don't think you're going to leave after a couple of years and start something new? Um, no, I mean, I don't have any plans to do that yet. Um, I'm uh, you know well incented to stay for the next uh, three years. And then um, beyond that, uh, if I have the con- you know the control that I've have now or will have when the deal closes, uh, it's a pretty good situation. Now, you were telling me during the commercial break that you're over on the Sarah and Vinny show. I was. What was that like? Because they're, they're just a laugh riot. They're a laugh riot show. I'm a money show. Yeah. You seem more appropriate for me than them. Yeah, I think I was, I was uh, like I said, a little too straight-laced uh, over there. Um, I was reviewing Capitalism, A Love Story, the Michael Moore movie, and um, I was talking about uh, fiat currency. I was talking about... Um, how you shouldn't uh, equivocate uh, political and economic force. I don't know if it was great for a morning comedy show. Yeah, yeah. What did you think of the Michael Moore movie? Um, I I wasn't a big fan. It makes two uh, philosophic um, mistakes. Um, so number one is they and people often talk about this in in common media that there's um, a big pie. The economy is a pie, and if rich like people pie. take, I know we we had this conversation. I like coffee earlier. and pie, good combination. Um, that um, if rich people take more of the pie, there's there's less, you know, for the poor or for for everyone else. And so that anytime somebody is successful, anytime somebody makes a, a big profit, it's necessarily at the expense of someone else. They talk about that a lot, okay. um, and that's not true. I mean, money is made. Uh, you know, tell me, we we sold Mint for a hundred and seventy million dollars. It was just an idea in my head three years ago, and I sat down and programmed it on a computer. My girlfriend's an artist. She has a blank canvas and you know, uses charcoal and sells her works for thousands of dollars. Who did she take money from? Who did I take money from? Um, we created something of, of real value. Money is, is created. It's not taken from anyone else. So that's that's um, problem number one. I'm trying to figure out if maybe into it because they had to pay you millions and millions of dollars. Maybe they took it from someone. Who did they take it from? I mean, Quicken it, users. Maybe they're stealing money. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> okay, I don't think so either. Um, and you know, the second, I'm trying to get you into trouble with your your big bosses now. I know. The you know the second one is the equivocation of of political and economic force. He has an example on there where it's a, a privately run juvenile detention center where essentially they keep the kids for two or three times longer than they should in order to make more profit. And I completely agree with him that you shouldn't have um, privately run. Uh, jails or privately owned police or military, um, because uh, you're you're physically you know incarcerating someone. They they can't leave. Right. Whereas that's not the same as he tried to make the, the point that that's the same as 
all these people who have been laid off in, in Michigan or Detroit who, well, there are no jobs and it's the fault of capitalism that these people have no jobs and no opportunities. Well, as painful as it may be, they can always move. They have the physical freedom to move, to sell their house, even if it's at a loss, and to go somewhere else um, to educate themselves in whatever way. And so those are the two uh, the two primary issues that I take with the movie. I completely agree with him um, on the, um, the bailout, um, which is – you know, there shouldn't be corporate uh, welfare. You shouldn't have the TARP program. Um, but you TARP know, program turned out pretty good for our nation because the banks paid back at a profit. Uh, that was a good investment. Like bailing out Chrysler was a good investment for the United States government. I mean, it may have been practically, but right. I, I philosophically, I oppose it for a lot of the reasons that I, he has I in, agree with you. In, in the movie, which is, you know, all the people then say, well, why didn't we get a bailout? As an individuals or, you know, the tech industry, when it crashed in uh, 2000, 2001, we never asked for a bailout, not like the financial industry. Truck stop you know, prostitutes. They're not getting they're losing business at this point in time is we're not shipping as much across the country. So we should bail out the truck stop prostitutes. Yes. Rob. I'm for it. Yes, we should. <laughs> You're just mocking me now. <laughs> You're just trying to get me in trouble. <laughs> no, I'm not. I just I I'm with you. I, I think the bailouts, it just seems weird that we did cash for clunkers. I think it's. I still think it's weird that we let people uh, itemize and deduct their interest on their mortgage. I think that's a subsidy. Why don't we have subsidies for renters? I don't get it. Well, I mean, the the U.S. has had a policy that you know the American dream is that everybody should own uh, a home, and um, that is part of what got us into the the crisis that we have. Is you have government manipulation of the money supply to artificially push interest rates um, low. You have a policy that encourages um, home ownership. And um, it doesn't make sense for people to always own a house. If you're going to stay there for less than five or seven years, the transaction costs uh, are going to kill you. You're not going to make a profit there. And for areas like the well, the Bay Area or um, the Northeast where housing is really expensive, if you do the curve of how much does it cost to rent the same place versus buy it? And then if you invest the difference at you know even a moderate rate of return, 5 or 6% a year, the curves don't cross for 15 to 20 years. You have to stay in a house for 15 or 20 years in this area before it becomes profitable from an economic standpoint. I don't own. I certainly, you know, now I have the money to. I probably had the money to before, uh, but it doesn't make sense. So in, your, in, your, in the mind of the public, you're ghetto because you don't own. Yeah. They think you're low class. And there's a cop in Oakland who seven, eight years ago, uh, he called my show and he said, uh, Rob, I, I rent here because I can rent a mansion here. Yeah. And I own a house that I'm going to retire in in Tampa. And he's renting out the house in Tampa. So he bought a house in Tampa. It's a good move. It's a great move. It's a fantastic move. It's and, a smart thing to do. But it's not what our mom and dad taught us. And basically, our mom and dad screwed us because they gave us a bad financial backing for the 21st century. They gave us a great one for the start of the 20th century. Well, well, and real estate agents uh, who take their 6%, you know, giant transaction commission, which I think is more than than they maybe deserve, um, are I'd always... Like see, I'd like to see real estate. You have to have a college degree to start selling real estate. And yeah. I'd, I'd like to see financial training in real estate. Yeah. I think way too many people get in with, with big boobs and uh, nice Rolexes. Um, yes. <laughs> I can't throw you, can I? I'm not going to comment on breasts on this show. You like them? Natural, fake, where you at? Oh, Rob. <laughs> You're a good man. You're a good man. Um, I think you only have a half hour today, right? So you have to get we out have of here. Half an hour, yep. Okay. Well, it's a half hour is up, so we got to get a break. Anything else that we need to know about money intelligence, mint.com? 
Um, uh, yeah, other than the fact that it's free, I mean, it'll save you hundreds to, to thousands of dollars. I mean, most people still have like the checking account that they got when they were like 17. They open with their mom. You know, if you have a, a checking account from Wells Fargo or Bank of America or City or a savings account there, you're probably earning, I don't know, 0. 0.10 to 0.20% interest. You can get 2% interest right now with uh, Ally or ING or HSBC and Mint shows you the best you know, the best rates will show you how much you're losing by not switching to a better better bank. But you know where that goes. Um, the higher the interest rate on the cash, the more risk there is in the cash. No, it's all, I mean, it's all FDIC insured. It's savings accounts, um, you know, backed by treasuries. It's not like money market accounts. Right. So it's just sometimes people chase yield and they don't realize that the higher the yield you get in cash, the more difficult it might be to get your cash back. Um, I would agree with that if we were talking about, you know, bonds, you know, junk bonds or something, but, um, you know, not for legitimate savings accounts. Money market accounts are not the same thing as you've, you've discussed on your show. Um, those are investment accounts, but savings accounts are guaranteed. Icelandic banks. Would you put your money in an Icelandic bank if it gave a 12% yield? Uh, right, right now. Um, Well, it would have been obviously an awful idea uh, 12 months ago, but um, you know, right now they're getting their stuff in, in shape. I wouldn't do it. There you go. Anyway, um, it's Aaron Patzer. He'll be on again, I'm sure, with Mint.com. Mint.com. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Let's take a break. 800-345-5639. Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Hopefully you enjoyed Aaron Patzer from Mint.com. He's a weird bird. I like him. Ultimately, I think it's critical and it's important that you have a budget. And again, that's probably the unsexiest thing I've ever said. I'll talk about go to Mexico and make love sweet love with your honey. I like passion. I do. I like compassion. But when it comes to money, I like it dry. And uh, when it comes to budgeting, it's unsexy, but you got to do it. So if you have, like, you go to a hockey game twice, three times, you get a little addicted. That might be six, seven, eight hundred dollars It adds up is ultimately what I'm getting at. And you need to see it. You need to face it. If you have an addiction to buying shoes, if you have an addiction to Craigslist prostitutes, if you have an addiction to hockey, you got to watch yourself. Because the number one thing you have to do in life is save money for retirement. You don't do that, and you're going to work till the day you die. And I don't think you really want to work till the day you die. Markets are up today. Dow's up 92. NASDAQ up 21. S&P 500 up 9. Let's get a phone call. Let's get a Cupertino Vinod. Hi, Rob. I got a question on Activision and GameStop. Uh, your outlook for next 6 to 12 months. Which one do you want me to do? Activision or GameStop? Uh, GameStop. Okay. That was the one that I didn't think you were going to pick. Um, give me just a second. I got to punch in all the data yet again. What's the ticker on GameStop? GME. GME. Yeah. Thanks for the call. Uh, do you own these stocks? I do. Okay. Do, what else do you own? Give me an idea. Oh, basically some mutual funds and uh, some uh, high tech companies. Okay, so you don't own all just one thing, right? That's that's correct. Now, you own technology. So be careful that you don't get too much technology. 
So high-tech stocks are, I think, trading vehicles and not necessarily investments because a lot of high-tech stocks have no yield. So I do think high-tech is the right place to be for now. 2010, I think, is going to be a very good year for tech. A lot of pent-up demand across businesses. So I like Hewlett-Packard, for instance, enormously at these levels. But that's probably not high-tech enough for you. The last time we had a major computer upgrade was Y2K. And since then, you've had a lot of softness. Now, Microsoft 7's coming out. So, again, I think HP is probably the best uh, out there. If you're looking for small-cap technology, I think WebSense and Blue Coat Systems are good ideas. But I'm digressing. You ask about GameStop, and thanks for the call. GameStop has a PE of about 11 times earnings. One of the big problems right now is that we're in a recession. And for the first time ever, we're seeing the recession hit. We're seeing the recession hit. Uh, companies like GameStop. And what I mean, companies like GameStop, the video game industry. So people are spending a little bit less money. Now, GameStop, let's see if I can't pull up some good information for you. This is typically a good time of the year for video games. In large part, we're moving in towards the holiday season, and a lot of top, you know, hot titles are supposed to come out. The problem is titles like Madden are starting to get tired, and they're not innovating. They're not pushing people to go. And we're starting to get more iPhone games, which circumvents where GameStop is. Not quite totally. GameStop is the top score in the video game retailing world. They're the, the high score. I mean, they're the winner, winner, chicken dinner. They're a company with the largest retailer of, of used and new games. So one thing that they do is if you go to GameStop, let's say you got mad in 2010 and you hate it. So you take it back and they'll buy it from you for 15 bucks. They'll sell it to you for 60 and then they'll give you 15 GameStop dollars, so you have to use your money buying another $60 game is the idea. That's actually a very profitable business for them. They also have a couple e-commerce sites, um, you know, GameStop.com, EB Games. Uh, they publish a magazine called Game Informer. So they're, they're out there, as you could well imagine. Let's take a look at the financials on the company. And first and foremost, in the last three years, the stock's gone from 8 bucks to 60 60 to 20 20 30 i like the stock a lot at 21 22 23 unfortunately it's at 26 27 28 right now so if it were to come back i'd be more intrigued by it let's see what else i can pull up on the financials for you in the last three years revenues have gone from 5 million to 7 million to 8 million excuse me 5 billion 5.3 billion to 7 billion to 8.8 billion so that's not a problem profits have been good um Diluted earning per share is good. Operating income, good. They've gone from $1.4 billion to $1.8 billion to $2.2 billion. So you're talking margins in the 20 25% range. That's not so shabby. Return on equity, 16%. Return on assets, 10%. Not bad. Uh, total debt is about half a billion dollars. I'd like to see that a little bit lower, in large part because um, access to debt financing right now is tricky. Let's take a look at some of the recent earnings and keep in mind that their biggest competitor is probably Best Buy, but also Steam and also EA.com. A lot of the game publishers are now allowing you to download it instantly. Microsoft and Sony, their next generation hardware is going to be much, much, much more about the online community and less, less about the cartridge game. There is a business model that's starting to evolve in video games where you pay a monthly subscription. And that could hurt GameStop in theory. Video games, uh, big impact on GameStop and Best Buy right now has been mentioned a number of occasions being taken. Oh, there some people are talking about Best Buy potentially buying out GameStop. That's kind of interesting. 
Um, let's see what else we got. So notable January, uh, September 25 call, 5,600 contracts open. So there's there's people thinking that they're going to get bought out maybe by the end of the year. It's been out there a lot. Uh, the chief marketing officer of Best Buy disclosed on his blog that Best Buy is testing sales of used video games in stores in Dallas and Austin. I think the big problem with GameStop right now is a lot of the games that were supposed to come out this fall are being pushed to early 2010. I'm not against you trying to load up a little bit more if it drops a bit. I think it's a fine business. I don't think it's going to go anywhere anytime soon. I think it could trade up to $30 pretty easily, but at $26, there's a little risk down to 22, 23. So I would say it's an accumulate if it drops. They've recently announced that they got a new CFO. Uh, they repeated a couple times on their last conference call that Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 has a good chance of becoming the largest selling game of history. They're not seeing any impact from Walmart or Amazon.com doing uh, trade-ins. So it's not my favorite name in the world, but I'd like it, especially if it dipped a little bit, if we had a couple bad days in the stock market. Their earnings, they um, recently missed their earnings expectations by five cents, worse than expected. They issued a little bit of downside guidance. I think that's cooked in. They see, you know, a buck 47 to a buck 65 in earnings versus a buck 65 consensus. Uh, But nothing is awful. Nothing looks, you know, totally shocking. I would say Bioshock 2, which Bioshock was a fun game. Bioshock 2 being pushed to to 010, Starcraft 2 being pushed to 010, and Splinter Cell Conviction being pushed to 010 really hurt. Now they're going to make up for it a little bit because Halo 3 is coming out right now. Um, Assassin's Creed is coming out as well as Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. And if you ever played Call of Duty Modern Warfare, fun, fun escapism. And again, I don't do a lot of movies anymore, but I'll do one or two video games per year. And, you know, that'll eat up 120 bucks of my money. Uh, but you know what I'm doing is I'm not going to GameStop anymore because I'm, I'm an old dude. I don't want to be going into a video game store where everyone's 16 years old and they're like, hey, who, who's the old dude? I don't, I, I, so I download my games. I go to Valve and I get my games downloaded into my computer. So I've skipped the GameStops of the world. And down the road, I think more people will skip the GameStops of the world. But will they be acquired? Will they? Won't they? Don't quite know. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. You're lacking on calls today, ladies and gentlemen. You're lacking. 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. I can ride my bike with no handlebars. No handlebars. No handlebars. I can ride my bike with no handlebars. This is a great song. In large part, the message says that we can take apart remote controls, we can scratch records. We're very creative. And for all of our creativity and all of our technology, we're good at killing people. It's pretty interesting. The song ends with a holocaust. A holocaust. And instead of using technology for good, we use technology to kill people. So... It's just interesting. That's where the money is. Military technology is it's big money. Anyway, it's a it's a fun song because it's a, a hell of a social statement on America. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Let's go to Mike in Half Moon Bay Area. Hello, Rob. I've been a great listener of yours um, since sometime around 2002, 2003 in one of your uh, previous reincarnations there. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but my first day on CNET Radio... 
was 9, September 10th, 2001. Huh. And the next day, all hell broke loose, and I became endeared to the Bay Area because I didn't panic, and I told people to stay the course. So. Well, I've been one of those followers, and I've done very good. I'm just about to where I was two and a half years ago. Okay, good. So um, let me bring my question here. As I'm, every year, maybe twice, two times, I look at my funds, and only recently have I started to look at my the composition in those funds. There's a lot of a lot of similarities depend you know in any case the, i'm looking at international mutual funds i'm seeing some that are more denominated uh in dollar based let's say foreign equities that are dollar denominated and other funds are uh tend to be more on the side of uh denominated in foreign currencies uh, how do i distinguish between the two and you know in ways of pros and cons um is there one that would be more preferable in today's environment versus another? Your basic question is, should you buy a mutual fund that's based in euros or the yuan versus buying a mutual fund that's based in dollars? Exactly. Or that does business based on euros and the yuan? That's right. Okay. Um, yeah, I think you know we had this conversation yesterday when someone called in about Total and said, I want to own a company that's European, that's not a play on the weaker dollar. For the record, Mike, I don't buy the weaker dollar story anymore. I think everyone's talking about the weaker dollar. So what's going to happen is we're going to get a stronger dollar. So just be wary of when conventional wisdom sets in, where you had to buy a house in 2006 or when you had to buy a tech stock in 2000. When it's conventional wisdom, it's probably a little bit too late. So that's the first thing that I want to warn you on. Second thing is, yeah, I have no problem with you buying an ETF, an exchange-traded fund or closed-in mutual fund. Um, or a mutual fund that is represented in foreign markets. I don't think you have to buy a foreign mutual fund to get that exposure. You can buy Fidelity's got a great one um, called um, Asia Excluding Japan. They exclude Japan because Japan's a nation that's stagnant, and everything else in Asia is a, a growth market ultimately is what it comes down to. So I like that fund enormously. I don't think you have to to – go outside of like the Fidelity or the Vanguard's the T-Row price or the exchange-traded funds that you can get in the United States to get your international exposure. One thing that I would like you to do is I'd like you to take a look at a, a five- or ten-year chart on the fund and compare it to another uh, uh, fund that's a similar company. So you may find that, for instance, that one is just a little bit more consistent. If I can get 8% returns, I would be happy for 10 years in a row. If it was 15% one year, negative 7% the other year, 8% up 15, negative 7, so it looks like it compounds to 8%, I don't like the volatility. I'd rather have the consistency than the volatility in funds. Another thing you can do to compare them is look at costs. Another thing you can do is compare them to the stock market. For instance, if you get a 10-year track record, you'll see how that fund did during 9-11. You'll see how that fund did during the Asian uh, flu, as we referred to it, when the Asian currency started to devalue pretty aggressively. I think I've given you enough to chew on. Is that good? That's real good, Rob. Thanks so, so much. Thanks for the call. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. Tomorrow I'm going to be speaking with Jeffrey Lerman. 
He is a lawyer, and we're going to talk about business decisions gone wrong. We're going to talk about a major celebrity in a defamation case. We're going to talk about a national food chain and a federal lawsuit. we got all sorts of crazy legal stories tomorrow coming up on the show. And Friday, I'm going to be speaking with Dan Rusnowski. Dan Rusnowski. He's the radio voice of the San Jose Sharks. I'm going to speak with Dan Rusnowski each and every Friday, hopefully around that 11.15 time frame, unless he is out traveling. One of the, the pieces of news that I did not get to today that... I'm remiss, was chain store sales for the weekend at October 3, rose 1% from the year earlier period. Um, a bout of cooler weather helped to spur some customer traffic as people were getting into department stores and trying to buy warm clothes. It helped the month to finish on a positive note. Again, year over year, our numbers are looking okay, but that's because year over year, the numbers are awful. So we got what are called easy comparisons in the world of financials. And again, that doesn't mean good things. It just tells you that it's gotten so bad that we're starting to say, hey, sideways looks pretty good to me. You get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. Stock market's still up. Triple digits. Dow's up 106. NASDAQ up 25. S&P 500 up 11. Um, not Boeing. Is that Boeing? It is? No, it's um, British Airways. They're cutting 1,000 jobs. That's... Uh, starting to get out there as far as news goes. I found an interesting article today on actresses. The best bang for your buck with an actress. Number 10 on the list was Hilary Swank. Now, she was in a movie that was just dreadful. P.S. I Love You. It was dreadful. It looked like it was a romantic comedy, and it was about her dead husband sending her a letter after he died. And she meets a young man, and it looks like it's going to go well. And then at the end, she just walks away from him. It's a dreadful movie. Anne Hathaway, she's number nine on the list. 26-year-old actress. I think she is crazy good looking. Um, But for every dollar Hathaway was paid, her movies averaged $23. Uh, She was in the movie Get Smart, which made $230 million. How did Get Smart make $230 million? What's wrong with you people? Why are you seeing these films? Kate Blanchett. Um, Lord of the Rings, for every dollar that she's paid, she makes 23 bucks. She was in the movie The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, which I found just dreadful. It was like Forrest Gump in reverse. Just dull. Again, why do people see these movies? Uh, Halle Berry. Berry was one of the highest paid spotlights. Uh, she plays Storm in three of the X-Men movies. In the movie Things We Lost in a Fire was a flop. It only made $8.5 million. Again, incredibly discouraging and depressing movie. Um, but she pulls in 23 bucks for every dollar she's paid. Jennifer Aniston comes up high on the list. She makes 26 bucks for every movie, every dollar that she makes, uh, which, again, you would have thought that Jennifer Aniston didn't really land on her feet after getting dumped by the old Brad Pitt, but she's done pretty good for herself. Number five on the list, Meryl Streep. Can't say enough about Meryl Streep, but what was she thinking with Mamma Mia? Did, she, did no one tell her this is a bad idea? Did no one tell her that that movie is so overrated and if you liked it, you're, you're on the slow side of things? Natalie Portman comes in at number four. Rachel McAdams, number three. Jennifer Conley, she's number two. Pulls in 41 bucks for every dollar she earns. Number one on the list, surprisingly, Naomi Watts. Pulls in 44 bucks per dollar she's paid. Again, this is just counterintuitive. You would have thought, you would have thought someone else was number one on the list, but Naomi Watts, she's a good investment. It's Rob Black Show. I'll be back in 22 hours. Hopefully you will too. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.